1: Parmabert on the edge of the box.
2: Oh, it's a straight-up
1: screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Parmabert. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. in
3: New Zealand, yes, uh, amazing scenes at uh, Anfield this morning, we'll talk about that uh, more throughout the morning because we have uh, football uh, to talk to with uh, Ricardo Ball, that's coming up later on in the piece, uh, around about 11.15, uh, but uh, prior to that we shall be talking to uh, prolific uh, one-day international, or well, black cap opener across the board really, uh, and Martin Guptill who's uh, packing his suitcase as we speak to head away for well, the Chapel Hadley series, uh, always seems to be uh, on the road, does Guppy. Uh, talk back time just after 9.30. Uh, your chance to uh, perhaps talk about the Chapel Hadley or uh, what you perceive might happen today uh, around about 11, uh, 11 o'clock, 11.30, when the All Black side is named. We'll have Jim Kayes after 11.30 actually to uh, assess what he sees about that line lineup that Ian Foster will be announcing this morning. We'll have a uh, Pacing for Purpose horse for you. We'll have a Greyhound as well or for our charity run, of course. And just after uh, 10 o'clock this morning, we'll be talking to Sam Hargraves. Now, Sam is an SEN commentator uh, on golf in particular. He co-hosts the show with Nick O'Hearn. We had Nick on uh, last week. Uh, But uh, Sam also doubles up because uh, he'll be commentating the Chapel Hadley series for you as well here on SENZ. And uh, that is exciting news to have uh, that kind of tournament on. And a, a pretty late start, being in northern Queensland, I think it's around 4 o'clock New Zealand time. So you'll be looking at a midnight finish uh, or a midnight finish on air uh, for our guys as well. So uh, looking forward to that, actually. Uh, no Pat Cummins on the Australian side, but exactly uh, what prospects do we have? We'll find out very shortly here on SENZ. Well, yesterday we got the news that uh, Colin de Grandhomme uh, was stepping away from international cricket, putting an end to the speculation of what happened, might, might happen with his NZC contract after he was named in the BBL's inaugural international draft to play for the Adelaide Strikers. The man they call Dutch, he played 115 games for New Zealand across the formats with an international career that lasted just over a decade. Popular figure with cricket fans, he'll be missed on the scene, but... Uh, the business of cricket, of course, just keeps on rolling and it rolls up to Cairns very shortly, where the Black Caps will arrive to play Australia in a three match Chapel Hadley series. And opening the batting for us, as always, will be Martin Guptal. Guppy, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How are you, mate? I'm very, very good. Uh, okay, so uh, we're off to the Casales Stadium in Cairns. Have you played there before?
4: I played there in um, 2008 for the New Zealand Emerging Players team. Um, So there's been a few games in between then, so yeah, we'll have to get reacquainted pretty quickly, I'd say.
3: What do you know? uh, Do you know anything about the surface or the stadium itself um, these days?
4: Not really, no. I don't think they've played any um, top-level cricket for a while up there, so um, we'll just have to sort of cross that bridge when we come to it.
3: Okay, so uh, Australia playing at the moment. They're playing against uh, Zimbabwe. Have you kept an eye on that series?
4: Yeah, uh, I didn't see any game yesterday, but I caught most of the first game. And yeah, they look look pretty well oiled, Australia. And um, they've got a bit of a warm up series and go leading into ours.
3: We look uh, relatively well oiled as well, though. Um, Historic 2 1 series win in the West Indies. You got uh, 57 in the last match, chasing down 301. So that was a a nice uh, run, Chase. Nice confidence building run, Chase.
4: Yeah, 100%. Um, we played on some tricky surfaces in the first two one days, um, and then we got on a, a, a nice attractive bat on in that last game. So it was nice to put in, you know, a, a great performance you know, down the batting water and, and come away with a good win.
3: Well, that's interesting in itself, because uh, all those three games we've uh, played in Barbados, all of the three games you're about to play will be in Cairns um and uh, the the surface the way the surface age the the, way the surface plays is 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 um is quite interesting over a three day period i mean three three days and uh, six uh, three games and six days pretty quick turnaround uh,
4: yeah it is and uh, i'm guessing well i'm actually hoping that the wicket's going to be slightly better than it was in in Barbados and um hopefully you know they've got three three strips for us for um three games so Playing on new strips is always a bit nicer than playing on used ones.
3: Guppy, you've been away um, with the Black Caps on quite a a tour, really, uh, throughout Europe and down to uh, the Caribbean. How do you feel uh, that the squad has developed, and what are the best things we got out of that particular phase of 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 our tours?
4: It was a great tour. Um, You know, some some younger guys with with not a lot of experience got a bit of exposure and. You know they stood up when, um, you know, at, at different times in the tour and then uh, obviously we got the um, you know the main one day side back together in, in uh, Barbados and you know proved that we're a very good one day team so um, you know, to have that depth if there are injuries and, and things moving forward towards the World Cup next year it's, it's pretty exciting for New Zealand cricket.
3: One of the players, uh, new players that you were talking about getting some exposure was a bloke you opened with and, and Finn Allen. Um, tell us about uh, a wee bit about Finn Allen As you observe him from the other end, and, and your combination with him.
4: Yeah, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Um, you know, watching him do his thing. Um, you know, whether it be one day or T twenty, or you know, seeing some pretty quick starts from him um, and some some subdued ones as well on tricky services. So he's able to adapt his game um, to whatever's in front of him, which is you know for a young player with, with not a whole lot of experiences. Um, you know, it's pretty exciting for New Zealand uh, moving forward.
3: And uh, the other guy that you uh, spent a bit of time in the crease with, uh, walking out together, is uh, is Devon Conway. Now um, uh, Devon, of course, is a, a slightly more experienced player than uh, Finn Allen, but particularly in T Twenty cricket, the right hand, left hand combination. How do you feel that is working? Yeah,
4: Devin and I have done well at the top. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen uh, towards World Cup, but we've got three one days to get through. Um, you know, before that's decided, and who we're going to open with. Um, you know, for that tri-series in October and in the World Cup but um, whoever it is, you know, is, we've just got to go out there and try and get us off to as good a start as possible
3: How do you feel you're hitting it yourself? Um, 57 in the last game a start in the first game against the West Indies
4: yeah, it was, um, I guess a little bit up and down on that last tour, but um, you know, it felt like I started to come good towards the end of that, uh, towards the end of it, and you know, just put to the um, tour finish when it did. When it when, you know, I felt like I was just getting back into it, so you know, looking forward to the, these next three one days is going to be good. Um, always love playing in Australia, you know, tough opposition, our old foe sort of thing. So um, you know, I had a couple of nets this week and, and felt pretty good there. So you know, looking forward to getting to training once we get over there and, and hopefully hit the ground running from that first game.
3: Well, Guppy, uh, if all going well, you'll play your 199th one-day international um, in Cairns. You've got uh, 196 racked up now, 1,800s, 39,50s, 237. Highest score on a great average of 42.17. Most, most people will say you've got this side of the game pretty well, Sus. So when you go to nets these days, what are you, what are you working on? Are, are you still looking to evolve? Well, there's
4: always new things that you're looking to do and try and things, and... Um yeah, you know, I guess nowadays it's um, you know because the games are so close together. It's it's not trying to do too much. Um, it's just trying to get the rhythm and the feel. And and once you're happy with that, you know your training's over. So it's um it's, yeah. I mean, I'm being honest. I'm not getting any younger. So you know the, the, the less I have to do at training um, and then you know be fresh for the games is, is a good thing.
3: Right. Let's uh, look at um, the foe as you call them, uh, the old foe, uh, Australian Australia and Australia. isn't it's the ultimate challenge, but what mentally? Uh, mentally, what, what, you think they've got something on us mentally? Um, do, you, do you think we're, we're behind the eight ball when we get there? Oh, I mean, I guess if
4: you look at recent history, then yeah, probably. But uh, that's history. You know, it's done and dusted. It was in the past. It's all about looking forward now. And um, you know, we've got a really good, exciting side going across there. Um, Got some guys that they haven't um haven't come across before as well. So um we're looking forward to, you know, facing them and getting over there and you know, hopefully I think was well, the last time we played over there it didn't go too well for us. hopefully we can write that and come away with a with a Chapel Hadley.
3: What does a Chapel Hadley mean to you, Martin Gupta?
4: Um oh, I love playing it mate. it's you know we don't often play um, you know, for trophies like this, um with other countries, so you know, to come, be able to come away with something like this is, is going to be pretty awesome for the boys and um, especially the guys who have never uh, never experienced holding it before.
3: OK, so uh, the other thing about this is the uh, the points towards the one-day championship as such, the one-day world championship. At the moment, we're trucking along quite nicely. I think we've only lost one game. How does that work? And what are you playing towards?
4: that's that qualification for the world Cup next year is um you know even though we come second uh, in the last world Cup we we still have to qualify for it and we you know we're I think we've only played about 12 games I think and other teams have played about 26 so you know it's been yeah uh, you know, a very very small diet of one day cricket over the last three years and um but uh, I, I guess you know the way we've played our one- day cricket even though sparingly we, we've actually played pretty well and and that can be exciting moving forward into um, and, and the you know the, over the, our summer where they've got a few more and, and then towards the World Cup next
3: year. What are the challenges uh, in terms of facing this Australian attack? This is a step up, there's no doubt about that from the West Indies, there's no Pat Cummins but there is Hazelwood, there is Stark, there is Sean Abbott who I know not too much about. Tell us about your, your mindset and what you're looking to do against that uh, type of attack opening up.
4: It's still looking to be positive. Um, Finn and I will, um, you know, look at that once we get over there and, and what the conditions are like, assess early and, and go from there. But um, you know, one day cricket, you have still got to be positive and still be looking to score runs um, while also denying wickets. So it's a bit of a uh, funny one where you're, you know, not looking to survive as such, but you're looking to you know get through the good balls and, and hopefully put away the bad balls and, when uh, they're offered. And you know, if you don't don't get many bad balls, you've got to look to manufacture something, um, which you know Finn and I can both do pretty well.
3: So tell us, uh, for instance, uh, when Stark's running in, what are you thinking?
4: <laughs> it's, it's just, when they're running in, it's, you're not thinking too much. It's just you focus on the ball and um, what's coming down. And, you know, you've got an idea of how they're trying to get you out. And, you um, you've just got to try and negate that as best as possible and, you know, look to rotate strikes so you're not um, stuck down one end for any period of time. And, you know, you just work off your partner and, and create big partnerships that way
3: over your, over the period of time that you've you've played against Australia, do you feel um you're better off on an even playing field to have the runs on the board and ask them to chase, or you do you feel we're a better chasing team now?
4: Oh, that's a hard one to answer that to be honest um, the way I look at you know one day cricket or any cricket in fact you know you, you've got to bat at some point it doesn't matter when. Um, obviously there's times where you know it's preferable to bat first or second, but um at the end of the day. You know the toss is out of your control uh, as a, as a player, so you just got to go out and do whatever whatever comes. Uh, you know, whether you're setting a total or chasing, it's all about creating partnerships and and putting up big stores, big totals.
3: T Twenty World Cup preparations. The T Twenty is um, not that far away. I mean, it's um, it's what you'd say is uh, coming up um, next month. Uh, that's how quickly it is. How are the preparations going for that, and how will these uh, three matches serve to pr- help you prepare?
4: Yeah, it's exciting times coming up. We've got a lot of T Twenty cricket, but um, at the same time, playing One Day cricket, you know, um, that's going to benefit the guys as well. Um, you know, especially playing against a team like Australia, who who we know are a pretty tough opponents in their own conditions. So, it's it's only going to be better for us um, as a T Twenty side, and pretty much most well, most of the guys in our lineup for the One Day are going to be in the T Twenty squad. So. You know, it
3: can only be a good thing for us. Right. Okay. The other thing that, of course, has happened in the, the last uh, two to three weeks is we've lost a couple of players who have had central contracts with New Zealand um, to T Twenty cricket. Uh, what have What have you, did it, those decisions surprise you? Did it Did it sneak sneak up on you?
4: Yeah, it's a wee bit. Um, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it, um, but obviously, though. Know, Balti and Colin are both in that point in their their careers where they um, feel it's the right decision for them. So, um, you know, um, know, we've still got a bit of time with him in the the black uniform before he um, decides to hang up his international boots.
3: Okay, so um, what about Martin Guptill now? Does that open your thinking to? How you're going to approach uh, the future? I mean, you've got to maximise. You've got to maximise your ability, as you said uh, before. You're closer to the end than the start. So, uh, what does your thinking change on that?
4: Uh, it hasn't changed too much at the moment. I'm still pretty focused on playing for New Zealand um, and as, for as long as I can. So, as long as the body stays, um, you know, fit and healthy, then uh, you know that, that's my um, that, that's my thinking at the moment.
3: Okay, well, that's cool. Uh, Nice to know that you'll be available for uh, quite some period of time. Guppy, um, I'll let you go. Go and finish uh, packing your suitcase uh, yet again. Um, And I would imagine um, that'll be a challenge, uh, a real challenge, Australia, and uh, I think a massively important series series, uh, mentally as well as uh, in terms of the play itself. So good luck for that. Uh, We'll be keeping a very close eye on it. Cheers, mate.
4: Thanks, mate.
3: Yes, yes. Martin Guptill there with us. I'll just read that record out again. 196 one-day internationals. That is something special. But then you look at uh, 1800s and 3950s. That is pretty special. The highest score, of course, against the West Indies in the World Cup when he faced the first ball of the innings and the last ball of the innings and remained 237 not out. It's quite staggering. And 42.17 as an opening batsman is uh, a pretty handy average too over a period of 196 games, astonishing record for Martin Guptill, still the anchor at the top of the uh, order, and uh, Australia will be doing their homework, they know him pretty well but they'll be doing their homework and without Pat Cummins, if they can get through Stark and they can get through Hazelwood, Abbott hasn't got the experience, they can just get through that opening blast, Uh, then I think they're okay, Australia's side looks pretty powerful to me though. Uh, they've got uh, Green as an all-rounder now, Cameron Green, who has uh, pretty much complemented their side and made it the unit, um, almost perfect for for one-day cricket. And, of course, at the top of the order, uh, they've got David Warner and, of course, uh, Aaron Finch, who's the captain, and then uh, they throw Steve Smith in straight after that. So whatever we have to do, we have to do it well at the start of each innings. We have to have a nice basis, and that is Martin Guptill, that is um, Finn Allen and uh, Kane Williamson who we need to find some form very quickly over there. So uh, it's the top of the order in both situations really that I see as the key of the game. Can we sustain and hold wickets and score a decent rate against Stark Hazelwood and Abbott and uh, and can we also make inroads with Bolt and Southie and Co. Can we knock over Warner really, can we get rid of Finch early and even can we get rid of uh, Steve Smith inside the first 10 to 15 overs. They, for me, are the keys against uh, Australia in this Chapel-Hadley series. It is uh, coming up to 9.20 here on SNZ.
2: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Yes, just reiterating that Chapel Hadley series will be live here on SENZ Ball by Ball, a commentary team uh, consisting of uh, Sam Hargraves, who we will be talking to shortly, mainly about golf, but uh, some cricket as well. Uh, Daniel McCarty, our very own Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott, of course, uh, closely aligned to SCNZ, and uh, former Australian pace bowler Damien Fleming, who is a very entertaining commentator, I think it's uh, fair to say. A very, very good analyst um, and uh, very good in the media. So look forward to that ball-by-ball coverage. Uh, I think they start late afternoon and uh, I think around 4 o'clock New Zealand time because they're in northern Queens, way up the top, way up the top of Australia, of course, Cairns, and then um, they go right through to about midnight. So quite, quite a nice uh, listening time, uh, viewing time as well. So uh, look forward to that. Now, of course, uh, we also have a commentary of uh, the Warriors here, on SENZ for our pains at the moment, but uh, it's interesting to note that uh, they had 11 home games in the 2019 season, this is the last normal season Uh, 11 home games 1 in Wellington, 10 at Mount Smart plus an away game versus Manly in Christchurch, and the reason why I bring that up is because yesterday's CEO Cameron George was with the lads in the the afternoon um, and talking about um, the fact of uh, what's come up in terms of the draw this year and it's not that favourable. I think it's fair to say. Here's Cameron George.
5: I think an email went out to members yesterday about nine home games at Mount Smart next year, and people are a little bit upset about that. But I'm assuming that's nine at Mount Smart. There's going to be others around New Zealand. Is that? Yeah, how it's that's going to right. Play? So
0: there'll be nine at Mount Smart next year. Um, we're yet to announce. Uh, we're just finalising the the paperwork now, but we will have two games uh, also around New Zealand. So there'll be eleven games. Uh, we're already committed to that game at Ma- Magic Round in Brisbane. Uh, So there'll be nine games at Mount Smart, two elsewhere in New Zealand, and um, look, there's a couple of some diluted discussions, if you want to call it that, still happening with a few clubs about whether or not they can bring uh, a game to New Zealand as well, but they've got commitments they've got to try and um, get out of as well in Sydney, but... um, Rest assured, uh, we'll have 11 games at least here in uh, New Zealand, which would be great.
5: Because there was a lot of talk you know, from both sides of the ditch around the NRL stepping in and, and and teams bringing home games here, given what you guys have put up with for the last three years. And I guess you've heard all the clubs saying, you know, you kept the competition alive, we're so thankful, we're so grateful. Is it a little bit
0: disappointing that it hasn't panned yeah, out that yeah, way? Yeah, it is. Um, there's no way... Of you know of hiding that. Um, um, it's not necessarily the club's fault, I've got to say. Um, a lot of them have had discussions with us, but they just can't get out of their commitments at their current stadiums. FIFA World Cup threw up a few problems for next year as well, with a lot of stadiums blocked out, and I thought that would give us a chance, but the reality is a lot of stadiums over here are blocked out as well. So, um, you know, between us and rugby at Mount Smart and so on, it made it difficult as well. But Look, the NRL, for me, can do more. Um, and, you know, I keep challenging them to do more here. I've just recently asked them, you know, why can't we have a, a NRLW Magic round here next year? You know, let's give, the, mm. let's give the women their space in New Zealand and have a couple of men's games around that as well. And um, But, I mean, you know, it's at the powers of be's office now. I can only keep asking.
3: Yep, we can only keep asking and uh, working on our behalf. That is Cameron George, uh, the CEO of uh, the New Zealand Warriors. I, I, I've got to say, Logan, I'm a little, bit, um, a little bit miffed by this whole thing as well because we've heard so many things about how grateful they are for the Warriors uh, and the commitment that we've made. And throughout that interview, of course, um, we heard more and more details about how tough it was on uh, that big COVID stretch for the players. But how quickly they seem to forget uh, when it comes to when it comes to the future.
6: Yeah, and one thing that really stood out for me there is he said there was diluted discussions with other clubs, so nothing really meaningful going on there potentially, which which is sad, you know, because a lot of the clubs do you know say how thankful they are for the Warriors. We saw you know the Bulldogs go into the dressing room and thank them after the last home game there for all their sacrifices and whatnot. So I mean that was touching in itself, but. Yeah, I'm I'm with Cameron George here. There's definitely more that could be done by Abdo and his crew, Peter Velandis. You know, you go on about being the saviour of the game. Well, here's a great opportunity for you to keep doing that and uh, get some good PR for yourself, especially here in New Zealand. So, yeah, it really would be nice to see. Uh, but them's the breaks with the Warriors, isn't it? It just seems to be the NRL always finding ways to uh, to screw us, let's be honest.
3: Well, I guess the NRL, uh, at the end of the day, will make the final decision. Maybe some clubs have gone to them. We don't know behind the scenes whether some clubs have gone to them and said, look, here's the thing. When you're doing the draw, we are prepared to sacrifice one of our games to give another Warriors opportunity to play at home. Uh, we don't know how many clubs have perhaps uh, gone to do that and whether, as you say, uh, Abdo and uh, Peter Vlandis has just said no. no, no it's, uh, let's mm. just get back to normality here because we've had so much abnormality with uh, COVID etc, now we have an opportunity to just get everything back on track the way it should be, let's just do that otherwise if we start compensating uh, over the top for the Warriors it's it's a bit of a false season as such so that'll be interesting to see um, what those extra games are
6: yeah, the the other thing I'll add there is that I listened I, I listened to the whole of uh, running it straight yesterday with Cameron George being in in the studio. One interesting thing there is they brought up the idea of goodwill towards the Warriors, which is you know part of this whole discussion here. George seems to think that goodwill is gone. Yes, they've put a lot of sacrifice in over the last two or three years, being over in Australia. But where he says, when you get your ass kicked day in, day out, you lose that goodwill. So I guess that's kind of where it is at the moment.
3: Oh, I guess you're right. And on the subject of asses being kicked, of course, uh, the All Blacks have had uh, a fair amount of that uh, lately. Uh, But by naming aside, uh, around about 11.30 this morning, we'll have Jim Kay's uh, noted rugby writer and now working for Sky, producer of The Breakdown and amongst other things. Uh, we'll have Jim Kayser on the show to talk about uh, what he makes of that selection. Will there be anything remarkable about Ian Foster's and Joe Smith's selection for this particular test match? I mean, they're all must-win test matches. They're test matches, after all. But can we could not possibly lose two. Uh, we could not possibly lose two to Argentina, or could we? Uh, and that can be the subject of your calls. 0800 150811, after the news here with uh, Araha. We are going to open up the lines for you um, and there will be a chemist warehouse voucher for 50 bucks up for grabs. The boys will make a decision on that. Uh, you can talk about that. You can talk about what you expect from the Chapel Hadley series. Can we knock the Aussies over? Or is there a mental block there? Something that we can't get out of our system beating Australia in Australia. So there's uh, one or two subjects and the Warriors getting not the home games that they wanted. Uh, Warriors fans, what do you, you make of that? Plenty to talk about. 0800 150811 In the meantime, here is Araha.
5: Talk Back Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150
3: 811. Yep, 9.34 and uh, here's a side that was sent in yesterday by uh, Mike from uh, New Plymouth. Now Mike uh, has uh, got the group Tokiahu and Lomax in the front row with Ritalik and uh, Tupuvai as locks. Loose forward trio of Scott Barrett, Dalton Papali'i and Ardi Savia. Uh, Christie at halfback, Bowden Barrett at 10 and Geordie Barrett at 12. He's got uh, Lester Whanganuku at 13 which leaves room for Rico Ioane to go on the right wing. Caleb Clark on the left wing, and Will Jordan at fullback. So that's Mike's lineup. Um, Just text them in on the temper text line, the temper bedpost text line, double eight double three as well. We can read them out. Don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, And Dean from Dunedin is uh, first up this morning. Dean, good morning to you. Are you expecting wholesale changes at all?
7: I'm not expecting anything, but I wouldn't mind um, Mr. Robinson giving that Mike guy a ring because I reckon that team he just read out would go okay. I mean, we'd all love to see that. that I wouldn't play Bowden Barrett, though. I'd, I'd I'd, put Stephen Perifetta at 10. I rate the kids at 10. Not at 15. At 10. And I'm sick to death of all this. We need to have a double this and someone else here. Like, just play them where they want to play. Like, Dave Harvilly covers the kicking game. So I would have him at 12 and Geordie Barrett at 13. That's where I would play them. But like I said, only opinions. But no, I can't. See. Can you... Can you honestly see him dropping Sam Kane? like he, he should? But can you see him do it? No, I can't. The only thing that makes me think no. maybe he might is he's already sacked his two best mates he has got no loyalty to anyone except himself.
3: I don't see him dropping Sam Kane. I, I don't, um, to be perfectly honest. And um, that may be, well, you know, maybe the biggest problem that he's got is that he finds it hard to do that. But in the interest of going forward, I think even if you consider that Sam Kane is your man, you know, there is a possibility. Sam Kane's got a high injury rate. Uh, he's had a lot of injuries. So at some point, you're going to have to do without Sam Kane, whether he's your starting captain or not. You might just have to do without him. Let's see what you're going to do without him. Uh, is, is that a possibility?
8: So
7: the, you're bang on the money. I was talking to a mate of mine from Dunedin City, Florida, if I'm allowed to mention them. And I said, South Africa, they took Khaleesi off with half an hour to go. And the reason I think they'd done that was. They don't care. Like they say they do, but they don't. They care about World Cups. And they wanted to see, this is only my opinion, how South Africa would go with the best captain in the world, not on the field. And it wasn't great. So I think now they'll be looking, possibly Malcolm Marks or stay reserve hooker for them. And as soon as, as if Khaleesi got an injury in the quarterfinal, how do we react? And they didn't react well. So they're better to find out in their Eden Park of South Africa. If they can't win it there without him, geez, we've got to find something that's going to work. And maybe that's Malcolm Marks to come on if he's injured at exactly the same time they change the hooker. Because you need a leader. We're taking our leader off. Well, that's... Samson never went off. It's just, why do you do that? Like, you heard Murray did say the other day, Tokalahu was full of running and hurting them. And we take him off, like... You don't have to make a change for change's sake. I'd give Stephen Perifetta the start, mate. He deserves it. He is a very, very good 10. And if he can't step up tomorrow or Saturday, whenever it is, to lead us around the track to beat Argentina, what's he there for? He's only going to get better for the experience. 90 seconds or 50 seconds. I mean, deserve it all, Black, No doubt about it. I'd be happier to see him start at 10 than Sam Kane start at 7. And this is our captain we're talking about.
3: Yep, I'm the same. Uh, I, I just think we've got to a time now. Uh, there's no reason not to. I mean, it is just it is just not working under the structure that we've got at the moment, under the, the players that we've got at the moment. It just is not. And, and take away that uh, 12 minutes in Johannesburg, because that was out of straight-out desperation. Um, and, uh, you know, they found something, and South Africa would be bitterly disappointed that they handed that test match up playing against only... 14 men, don't worry about that. But uh, to me, that was that was uh, just, it was almost like a, um, an oasis in the desert, to put a, a sort of a, a different term on it. It just came from nowhere, and we haven't seen it before, and we never saw it since. And that is the problem. We can't live on that. We cannot live in those 12 minutes. Tony, uh, Tony from Auckland, good morning to you.
9: Hey
3: All right, how's it going, man? What are you expecting? Not. Nope.
10: Um, I'm expecting the All Blacks to bounce back and really, I, I think, punish the Argentinians this week. I think the Argentinians' puff would have been blowing out of them. They've done what they want to do, um, I think, like, so, you know, to, to have the same intensity this week, I think, could be a challenge for them. I think the All Blacks will, um, definitely get get back up for this one, and I, I can see a big them putting on a big score, to be honest, um... But I don't think there'll be much changes. I I, I, well, I think we're missing a guy called Seve, Seve Reese. Uh he The amount of work he does around the park is, you know, he, he he's always putting uh putting the team on the front front forward ball. You know, he's, he's like another forward really, you know, but, but a fast one. Uh, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, what I perceived this week, I I, I think you know last week our set piece was very very good for the first 50 minutes, and uh, then, of course, we know what happened, uh, and it just drifted away on us. But the whole time, our scrum was solid. I don't see that changing. Uh, I think we're going to get a little bit more polished at, at line-out time, so I think our set piece will be very good, Tony. The thing I, I worry yeah. about is our ability to break them down, and that will be what they've been working on over time this week, is what are we going to do to break them down? And, and to me, that's what that test match, this test match is all about. And I, I, I kind of agree with you in that, um, I think the All Blacks might just, uh, you know, turn it around and turn it around quite confidently. But they have to find a way to break them down to do that. And that, to me, is uh, the big question mark during the week, Tony. I mean, whether they do it with ch- a change of personnel or a change of tactics or both, I don't know.
10: I Well, hold on to the ball. I, I think make them tackle, you know, just just make them tackle. You know, just set phases, get field position and, and, and make them play down their end. It's, it's, you know, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. Just do that. Hold on to the pill and don't trick it away too much, and you know because you trick it away to them, I think it falls into their hands. To be honest, because they know how to, you know, phase after phase. So I think hold on to the ball, get some field position, and and get our get our backs into the game more. I think. So that's my theory anyway.
3: At, Tony, who would you play at ten? Who, who's the best guy to to orchestrate that in your
10: mind? Oh, it, it's Barrett. Yeah, you know, he's proven it time and time out. You know, you, you can't just, you know, because you can't blame a loss or a bad game on on one player. So uh, I'd put Barrett in there. I don't like um Jordy at at centre. I don't like that. I I think he I think he's better on the wing. He'll, you know, I'd I'd have Will Jordan at fullback. That's for sure because he's the open field runner. Um, you know, like a like a Christian He he's like a Christian Cullen there, boy. Uh, if he's given the right time and, and right uh, training and, and grooming I think he could he could he could be an awesome player. I mean I was watching a bit of his uh his schoolboy stuff and for you instance know, cast him up like like you know they were just standing still. Oh, uh, God, yeah anyway I totally I
3: totally agree with that, Tony. I I just want you know, if I want Will Jordan I want Will Jordan to have some space. I want Will Jordan to have some time. I want Will, Will Jordan to be at his counter-attacking best. He was not even a factor in the game last weekend. He just simply wasn't. He has to be given that. The, and I'll tell you what, when you're kicking down the throat of Will Jordan, or you're thinking about kicking down the throat of Will Jordan, you think a little bit differently than you normally would kicking down the throat of Geordie Barrett. Very, Geordie Barrett's a capable returner, um, but not of the same level as Will Jordan. And I think we all know that. Uh, Nick from Dunedin uh, Thanks Tony Nick from Dunedin Good morning to you
9: Here you go Smitty. No I'm definitely on the Same page as you With Will Jordan But Why has it taken so long And why have they persisted With Barrett at the back
3: For so long Well um, Nick you'd have to ask them That um, Because you and I Totally agree most of New Zealand Think that we should be playing This kid Who uh, a lot of people say is the best 15 in the world um, but we can't play them there, or we don't play them there. Oh, so uh, there's, a stu- there's a stubborn, has been a stubbornness, and uh, you know, uh, just uh, uh, I think and a stubbornness Americans to develop. say, look, give us time, give us time to evolve, and we will prove to you we're getting it right. But they aren't, Nick. They aren't.
9: No, no, they're not. No, we're, it's, uh, we're in tatters. But I tell you, one player that honestly quite, one player that we did miss this year and got through injury was Ethan Blackadder. It was a massive loss.
3: Totally agree. Uh, I absolutely, uh, you know.
9: Yeah. Yeah. Soon he comes back, the better. But if he was in the mold, maybe it might have been a bit different. But that'll be an interesting week. An interesting week.
3: It's going to be an interesting week, all right. Don't you worry about that. And it's going to be an interesting announcement in around uh, an hour and three quarters time. Nick, thank you very much uh, for your call. We're going to go across the Tasman uh, now to uh, our friend Darren. Good morning, Darren.
9: Hey Smithy,
3: how are you? I'm, I'm pretty good, but I'm uh, a little bit nervous and uh, I'm excited by the, pr- the prospect, Darren, that we might see some really big changes in this all black line. I'm excited about that, um, but I've got a feeling my excitement's going to be dampened. How do you see it?
9: Oh, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of waves of emotion. I feel excited and then I think, oh, reality, no, no, down I go again and then up I come. And so that's why I'm, I'm really enjoying listening to you. It's sort of quite the roller coaster ride.
3: It is. How are you seeing it from across there?
9: Um, well, two things that really worry me was first of all our discipline was just was horrific um, last Saturday, and it, it frustrated me seeing guys coming in from the side and just basic things um, really really let us down. And especially with the way their fullbacks kicking, you just can't give them penalties in their half, in you know, in our half, I should say. Um, and the second thing is is it just seemed to me that whenever our, our back line kicked it, it, it would go straight to the player. Whenever Argentina kicked it, it would hit grass. And that, was to me, was a big disconnect.
3: Look, I, I agree with you. I, I absolutely agree with you. A, a kicking game was too frequent as well. Um, you know, Speaking to Justin Marshall, that's his big bugbear on this, is why Aaron Smith um, is kicking the ball away too much, way too much at this point in time. Darren, you're a good analyst. Uh, look forward to hearing from you maybe after we have turn it uh, turn it around on uh, this weekend and then of course we have got that australian series you being in melbourne have the opportunity to go and watch the all blacks as well darren thank you very much for your call we've got Sean and wayne uh waiting on the line we'll take a break and we'll come back to those two gentlemen very shortly
2: winter he's the voice of sport in aotearoa this is mornings with ian smith on NZ.
3: It is 9.51 here on SENZ and very patient on the line has been uh, Wayne from Whangamata. Wayne, good morning to you. Thanks for waiting. There
11: you go, Smithy. Just a, a few positives here. An um, unbelievable front row. Uh, they're going to be ready for the World Cup. We've got a uh, lock and pair that uh, are world class. And all we're after is a, is a number eight, uh, Ali to the open side. And I think that's our forward pack going forward. As for the back line... Um, Christie, Barrett and then you're going to have a toss-up but I think we're missing a guy like Leonard Brown because uh, I believe Rico should go to the left wing and I believe that at fullback should be Will Jordan and I don't think we're going to be too far off when we get to the World Cup because like you in the Hawks Bay, centre pairings, Davies McRae, then you had Taylor Stanley then you had Osborne Robinson Nona and Smith and we held, up, we held it up but Believe believe it or not, I believe that this uh, Argentina team is pretty good and Smith will be the one that will help us get ahead.
3: Wayne, I absolutely value that. And uh, yes, you're absolutely right about pairings, centre pairings. That is a hell of a good point. Uh, they understand, they complement each other. We just haven't got a pairing at the moment. We just don't seem to have that pairing. Maybe ALB, Anton Leonard-Brown is the missing link there. Thanks very much, Wayne. Well with uh Waiting uh, to, to hear that. Sean from Auckland. Good morning, Sean.
1: Yeah, I agree with Gareth. I'm A fair fairly, fairly way of what I was speaking sort of about today. Um, look, to be honest, look, what, what I'd like to see happen for next year is, look, I'm, I'm sort of looking at, at what we've had in the centre period and you look at Conrad Smith and Ma Nonu and obviously before that, Umanga. And this is going to be a little bit left field, but I mean, I would love to see them start investing in, in Clark at, at second five, and Geordie Barrett at centre. I think I think Geordie Barrett's the closest thing to Smith that we've we've got in that back line, and I'm a big believer that the best fullbacks, you know, at any sport, are the, are the ones that have got gas. And Geordie just doesn't have that top-end speed to, to to really penetrate... Uh, but an amazing, amazing player, amazing mind. And I think, you know, I, I know it's moving a lot of guys around, but I just don't know what we've got to lose. I, I, I honestly believe that's our bearing. And obviously, uh, you know, we look at Owani back on the wing, which I, I think he's too hot and cold at centre. And I think, you know, he's proven he's one of the best wingers we've got. So I, I think it's, that you're suddenly looking at a much more all-rounded side that, that probably goes, you know, we need we need a, a ball runner at second five, I believe.
3: just faded out there actually sean so uh, I, I i take your points uh ronnie clark uh sorry um caleb clark uh, ronnie clark's son caleb clark at uh, at 12 now that's an interesting one that's something i have not considered plenty to talk about plenty of conjecture as we head to that announcement at uh, 11 30 this morning
2: he's the voice of sport in aotearoa this is mornings with ian smith on S E N Z.
3: Right, it's uh, multi-time and the Eels to beat the Storm tonight in the NRL, that's $1. sixty-six. The Seattle Mariners to beat the Detroit Tigers at $1. sixty-one. And Sebastian Korda from the Famous Family to beat Tommy Paul in uh, the men's singles at the US Open at $1.77. So the Eels into the Mariners into Sebastian Quarter for $4.73. That is our multi for today. Our subject after the break is uh, golf with Sam Hargraves and cricket with Sam Hargraves. Uh, he's uh, a golf analyst, he's a cricket commentator, Cameron Smith high on the agenda, and the Chapel Hadley as well. So uh, we've got plenty to talk about with uh, our guests from Australia, our fellow SCN worker, I think it's fair to say. We'll put it under that bracket. Here's Arawa anyway with the news, another worker.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Well, 10.03 here in New Zealand time, and it was the worst kept secret in sport, and particularly in golf. But finally, uh, yesterday it was confirmed that Cameron Smith would indeed be uh, leading a pack of PGA golfers to the rival LIV, Liv. Uh, while uh, the numbers around his new deal haven't been made public yet, there is a figure being bandied around about $100 million. Smith and his mullet have earned $27 million during his uh, eight years on the PGA, but this decision comes as a massive blow for establishment with the incredible season that he has had, including being the current Open champion. He won the Players' Championship, the Century Tournament of Champions as well. He's had one hell of a year and this will leave a very big hole. On the line now to discuss the impact of this move is SEN's own Sam Hargraves, co-host of Off the Tee with Nick Hohearn, who we spoke to last week. Welcome to our show, Sam. Thank you.
12: Smitty, thank you. Um, I've got to say it's an absolute honour to be on with you. I'm a massive fan, uh, love your commentary uh, and the show, so it's a privilege to be on with you and I, I appreciate you having me.
3: Ah, uh, Sam, it's uh, no, uh, you know, um we're not doing it in each other's pocket here, but uh, it's an honor to have you on, to be fair. Hey, hey mate, uh, this is big. Um and, and Cameron Smith has he's been honest. He said, Look, it's it's an offer I couldn't ignore. It's big, it's life changing, it's it's life sorting out, really. Did you expect this from him?
12: Oh yeah, I think I did. I think all you've got to do and, and Nick Ahern and I discussed this on off the tea the other night and, and it was Nick's view too, that once you saw him not deny it after the British Open win, and then you saw him not deny it again heading into the FedEx Cup St. Jude, every other player who's been linked to this incorrectly has been really strong in their denial. They have come out hard. And um, it, it was almost seen like an insult to the players who had been linked, but, 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 but it was incorrectly linked uh, to live golf. So I think, as you said in the opener, it, it's the worst-kept secret in golf. Certainly not surprised by what I've seen. A little surprised given his status in the world of golf. This is probably the biggest um, boost to credibility that Live Golf has had. He he's whilst they've got now 12 out of the last 24 major winners. What they didn't have was somebody inside the world top 10. So they've got all these big names who have done brilliant things and amazing things in the world of golf, as I mentioned, the major winners there. But as it currently stands, they only had Dustin Johnson inside the world top 20. Now they've got the second best player in the world, and they also get Joaquin Neiman, who's inside the top 20 as well. So it's the the biggest boost to their credentials and their legitimacy that they've had and Greg Norman's had uh, since this has got off the ground.
3: I agree Sam, I totally agree I think it's um, a massive blow to uh, Jay Monaghan and co and the DP Tour as well Um, the other aspect about of course Neiman and Smith is is the youth side of it Um, and that Mm -hmm. is why it's a massive decision for them as well, you you look at some of the guys that have gone, they're either past winning PGA events, certainly winning uh, um, major events and some of them have been a little antagonistic in the way they've handled their careers so far these two guys basically squeaky clean and very young
12: yeah they are and 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 look they spoke at a press conference this morning which i've just been having a little look at before i got on the phone with your good self Uh, and and they acknowledge that they're at very different stages uh of their careers mark leishman um who was a a pga Tour rookie of the year when he first started he's had top 10 major finishes runner up in major finishes the the open championship is one of those um it, it made a little bit more sense to me, for him, and a long time away from home now, 2009, I think it was, when he was Rookie of the Year. Cam Smith's been away for seven years. The lure for both, and and let's be honest, it's the money. There has been a few that have tried to deny it, then, oh, no, it's about playing less tournaments, and it's about this, and then they go and uh, file a lawsuit to try and play more PGA tournaments. So we don't buy that. They acknowledge that the money was a major factor, but it's the opportunity to spend three months of the year back home that I can certainly understand. And when you look at what Cameron Smith is, and, and I read an article yesterday that he's a lot like Ash Barty, doesn't particularly like the fact that he has to live away from home for so long. He's a, he's a bloke that loves his fishing, his family, his friends, and his footy. He's rugby league mad. Um, you know, he, he grew up in Queensland, which is probably why he cho- chooses Florida uh, to live in weather-wise. But when you look at all those things, and you look at the fact, Smithy, that he's got a five-year exemption to majors, unless the majors themselves say, you know what, we don't like this live thing either and we're not having you. We're going to change our own rules, which they're in their rights to do. But at the moment, as it stands, he's got a five-year exemption into all the majors. He's just won his first, so he's got that legacy piece there. Um, he gets to has to play less golf, more time at home, less time away. It, it, I can see how it stacks up nicely for both of them.
3: Australia's coming become quite a focal point in, in live golf, uh, if it wasn't already. One, Greg Norman. Two, now you're looking at Team Australia. Uh, you're looking at high-profile uh, golfers uh, such as Cam Smith going, um, and then of course you're looking at the possibility of hosting a tournament over there as well. So, Sam, how is live golf generally viewed in Australia? Uh,
12: great. It, it, it's a great question smithy and 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 i and i was listening to Jared Waitley yesterday who did a long time on just letting everybody come on and everybody have their view and it seemed to me that the pendulum was actually more in favor of the both of them and and for golf, so for, for those who might be passive golf fans what they see is um Oh, it's you know the, the and the phrase sports washing is 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 coming and that's you know and that that triggers people and oh but it's Saudi backed and it's and there are those moral objections that people have for those who are really um, invested in golf in this country they feel the hurt of years of uh, this tour. And our, our, and our shores being snubbed by the PGA, our tour being hurt by the PGA, by, by being given nothing by the PGA, no tournament. We've had the President's Cup that's come out once, and that was phenomenal, and we did a brilliant job of hosting it. Um, and I understand this would be something that it, in New Zealand that you guys would feel as well, that, you, that nothing's been given down under. Um, nothing's been given south of the equator, really, um, or in the the, the the southern hemisphere by the PGA. So people do feel that. And now the idea that we could have, uh, that now the idea that these guys are going to be home for the Australian summer and play in our Australian PGA, um, our Australian Open, and, and now that we know that there is at least one tournament guaranteed next year coming to Australia and uh, looking to be in Sydney at this stage, um, th- those are things that are viewed positively. When you take out whether you've got the moral objection to the, to the where the money comes from, the, the golfing element alone for here, I think that is actually uh, viewed as a positive for people that, wow, well, we could get a tournament in Australia where there's 12 out of the last 24 major winners. There's, you know, 48 of the of, of the best players in the world. They might not currently be in this terms of rankings, but in terms of what they've done in golf, then there is that positivity there as well. There's certainly the negative sentiment, um but there's a lot of positive sentiment as well. And, and understanding is, well, who wouldn't take that money?
3: hmm well, he's out of the President's Cup, um, one would imagine. So, Mark Leachman, I'm not sure he was in the reckoning anyway for Trevor Immelman, but he's gone. Uh, Neiman, of course, uh, will be gone from that as well. So, that'll have a major impact on that. Do you think, um, had the PGA counted their counter offer a little sooner, Cameron Smith and the likes may have stayed, if it's money?
12: Yeah, what did Greg Norman say? A day late and a dollar short, uh, I, I think, and... Um, it, it, it it's a yeah, it's an interesting one uh, isn't it that they, they spoke about the president's Cup in this press conference today cam Smith said he's actually still hopeful of playing he said Trevor Immelman's a friend um, I, you know I, I'm hoping um, that we still might be able to play um, so they still haven't given up on playing president's Cup mark might have ended up being a, a, a captain's choice but certainly Joaquin and uh, and cam Um you know, And Cam has said in the press, it weighed on his mind, the fact that he won't be playing against Justin and Rory, but he said, I'll be seeing them four times a year, so I'll still be able to show them uh, that I've got it. But you, you mentioned what the PGA have done, and I think when, it, when you have a look at what they've implemented, um, whether it be the 12 elevated tour events... Uh, with purses 15 to 20 million now the live purses are all around uh, 36 million uh, the increase in the impact payments that the players get for the way that they promote the game and there's fifth they're increasing that pool of money to 100 million between now 20 players there's the earning assurance program that if you play 15 events for the pga you're guaranteed half a million dollars which is unprecedented, which is massive, especially for the players who might go through a year and miss a lot of cuts or for the people that just join the tour. Um, my question would be this. Um, if the PGA, if that was all possible for the PGA, then why wasn't it being done already? Um, why didn't you do that earlier? Live golf, whether you agree with it or not. And I am I sit on the fence with it. I understand all the arguments against it. I understand the arguments for it. I think it's really simple, though, to call sports washing when you're calling out for golfers, but when you don't call it out anywhere else in the world. So I think you've got to be consistent if you want to make that argument. But what it has done is it's actually made the lives of the PGA players so much better because they've had to combat this. They've had to come back with something and this is what they've come up with an offer. So in, in a lot of ways, Pete, the live golf, and, and it might you might say it through gritted teeth, but you have to acknowledge that not only has it made the lives of the players, and not that they were struggling, mind you, a lot of those guys, but it's made their lives better, and it's made the PGA Tour players' lives infinitely better with a lot of the improvements that they've made.
3: Sam, put your other hat on for a moment because we're going to he- be hearing a lot of you in the next uh, week beginning uh, Monday afternoon into the evening and then right through to the following Sunday uh, because we've got the Chapel Hadley series and of course you'll be part of the commentary team on this ferry station. Uh, I'm looking forward to it um, but I always look forward to it from a New Zealand point of view with trepidation because Australia and Australia is our stumbling block, has been for uh, forever basically. Uh, this Australian side without Pat Cummins, ha- how's it shaping?
12: Yeah, it's hard to get a, a, a form line gauge at the moment with all due respect to Zimbabwe, Australia, um, pretty comfortably, by and large, in the two games so far in Townsville. But before that, they'd lost their two previous um, one-day series, albeit that those were away in Sri Lanka and Pakistan. Um, you know, New Zealand, as you know, Smithy come in in good form. You, you've had the um, the shorter-form series over in the West Indies. You won both of them, the T20s and the one-dayers. Um, yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head about what the the, the bigger question is, and and that is, are, are New Zealand going to bring their form that they take everywhere else? Are they going to bring it across the ditch? Um, I, I would think that, yeah, I would think yes. I think there was the test series a few years ago, which we built, didn't we? We we built that up, and uh, that I I thought at the time that this might be one of the most memorable test series of all time, and it didn't reach those heights and, yeah, understand what happened at the World Cup a few years ago. And I'm not a salt-in-the-wound kind of guy, Smithy, so I won't go down that path. But I love watching the New Zealand team play cricket. I love the way they go about it. Um, I love the culture within the club. I'm I'm fascinated by it. Um, You're in a better place to answer this question than I. Um, I think that that is the biggest question coming in, the one that you've posed. I think Australia... Their best players are playing well at the moment. Stark's taking wickets, Zampa. Smith's making runs. Maxwell's blasting, you know, uh, high 30s off uh, single-digit number of balls faced. But do you feel like that, yep, those mental um, hurdles uh, are ready to be leapt over in a single bound?
3: Well, all I can say is uh, Sam, from personal experience, it did for me. uh, Back in the the 80s, Um, we broke down a barrier in 85 But still, you go over, you know, for us, it's the ultimate uh, test in cricket. Um, It's the ultimate Mm. goal to beat them. It's the ultimate uh, feeling of satisfaction if you do happen to get over the top. But to be honest, you look at the numbers, it's few and far between. Um, And and the more uh, we tend to build it up, um, the less we sort of perform. Um, so that that is what worries me and I spoke to Martin Guptill this morning he didn't really acknowledge that fact but most New Zealand cricketers I think if in a, sat in a dark room and said who do we fear the most uh, what is our biggest stumbling block it would be Australia uh, I mean it simply would be Australia and that's why I look forward to this series because it gives you an opportunity to break down some of that as much as anything else uh, but I, I, I just look at it man for man um, and, and I, I think one of the big keys will be uh, for us, whether Kane Williamson's can score uh, regular runs over those three games, and the other thing is uh, whether we can do damage at the top of the order when we bat and when we bowl. Can we knock over Warner and Finch, uh, and can we um, can we resist Stark, Hazelwood, Abbott, and Co in the first ten overs? If we're none for forty, none for fifty off the first ten, we're in, I think we're in reasonable shape. But they always get early wickets, and to me, that's the that's where the series is summed up, Sam.
12: Yeah, and I and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you you mentioned Kane Williamson, and and it seems like he, at the moment, epitomises a little bit of the struggle. Um, you'd be better, you'd be able to tell me, um, his numbers against Australia. I don't think, uh, in line with his numbers against a lot of the opponents, um, from around the world. So uh, I think you've knocked that, uh, you you know, you've hit the nail right in the head there with, with him, because again. And I talk about loving watching New Zealand play, loving watching uh, how they go about it. He, as I said before, he's the epitome of that too. I just think he's one of the most gifted players, but also backed it up with someone you can tell works so hard and diligently on their craft. And when you put those two things together as a sports fan and who now gets to commentate, I love that. If you're visually you know, captivating to watch, and I know that, that what's gone into that, is a work ethic that we could only dream of, of, you know, uh, us mere mortal, myself as a mere mortal, I could only wish to um, have been able to tap into, then I I sit up right in my chair. He's a player that I I inch forward in my chair when he steps out. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, for the sake of the contest that he's able to, um, that he's able to sort of put his personal, um, I suppose, dip in his output Against Australia,
3: um, uh, away. Sam, looking forward to uh, hearing you. How all whole audiences actually will be glued to this commentary over the <clears throat> the next uh, eight days or so uh, when it finally gets underway. We we'll look forward to that. Hey, thanks for your uh, input too on the golf. Um, we'll just um, wait with bated breath to see any further announcements coming out of that. But let's hope uh, for the good of golf it can be sorted uh, one way or the other. Because at the end of the day. We all want quality, and Cam Smith is quality. Cheers, mate. Been a pleasure. Absolute.
12: Thanks so much, Smitty. The pleasure's all mine, and you're 100% right. There is so much to play out with this live stuff. Lawsuits, you name it, it's a long way from being uh, all uh, tied up and a bow wrapped around it.
3: Talk again soon, Sam, and uh, look forward to listening to you shortly. Thank you, mate. Thank you is uh, 10.19 here on uh, SENZ. Uh, we'll take a short break and then a panel. And this morning our panel was James Regan and Kimberly Downs.
0: There, me, yeah. Yeah.
3: James Regan and Kimberly Downs with us this morning. James Regan, if I can start with you. Uh, announced uh, basically uh, yesterday from uh, Cameron George, CEO of the Warriors, only nine home games for Mount Smart in 2023, which I think is a little less than people were hoping for.
13: Yeah, disappointing uh, is probably the first thing that obviously comes to mind. And whatever you, whatever club you support or wherever you stand on the Warriors, even as a Warriors fan, you can't argue how much of an impact the past couple of years have had on the club. And and it's been great to hear over the past couple of years the likes of Andrew Abdo and Peter Velandis and even you know you, you Gus Gould come out and say we want to do more for the Warriors and, and give back. And then to hear that they're going to have nine games at Mount Smart and a couple around the country is is extremely frustrating for the fans for the club for players for staff who've given up so much so um but when you look at it is it unexpected from the nrl probably not um which is the most disappointing thing out of all of it so they'll they'll find a way to make it work and make it entertaining but it's extremely disheartening and disappointing that they haven't been Given something extra, even just a couple of extra home games to, to thank them for what they've done over the past couple of years, bizarre. Yeah, to me, yeah,
3: I, I think it's a bit, bit bizarre as well. Uh, Kimberly Downs, when you know you, you see the sides like the, um, was it the Bulldogs went into the dressing room to personally thank the Warriors for everything that they've done, you kind of get the feeling that there's a feel good feeling for them. But when the business is done at the end of the day, it's uh, not going to favour them at all by the look of it.
8: Jimmy. Um, I think Jimmy was bang on there. It is disappointing, although perhaps not altogether unsurprising, because I think uh, we've seen time and time again that regardless of the goodwill, only one thing really triumphs in the end, and that is the money that they can make. And so, faced with the reality, these Aussie sides, that they can make more money out of having their games at home and not coming across to New Zealand and doing the feel-good thing, they've got bottom lines. And so, in that regard, I think not altogether surprising but it is really disappointing Um, and it does probably show that there was maybe a bit of cheap talk going around in terms of the appreciation factor for the Warriors which must be really disheartening as well for Cameron George for that side knowing that during that time they were probably quite buoyed by a lot of that talk particularly the team uh, and now knowing that it's actually not resulted in much in spite of the sacrifices they made so yeah really disappointing
3: Um, Also, uh, Kimberly, this morning, or today at some point, there may well be a lot of emotion at uh, Flushing Meadow because uh, Serena Williams places uh, number 2 seed Annette Conteve, and on seedings you would think that uh, she will get beaten, which will mean the end of uh, Serena Williams' great great career. Uh, How will she be remembered by Kimberly Downs?
8: Greatest of all time. Uh, One of the most, not one of, the most influential player, To have played on a tennis court, male or female, reshaped how people view athletes, how people view the game, uh, and how people view athletes as humans as well. Because we can also, you know, it's all very easy, I think, to, to get quite sentimental about these things. She's also had moments in the past that haven't shown her in the greatest light. But that's what makes someone human, and that's what makes someone relatable, and I think she has an unquestionably great legacy that she will leave on the court. I think um, if she was, I mean, if she was to lose in the singles today, she's still got that doubles with Venus for that one last hurrah uh, that starts tomorrow, I believe. But I do think that we can expect, like you say, a lot of emotion. Certainly, if, if we were to go on with the sheer willpower of the crowd, she would waltz through to the final. Unfortunately, Kontaveit she's been playing very well. Like you say, she's the second seed. Serena is 40 years old. That you would you would think logically um, that Kontaveit should be able to make her run around a bit more. She doesn't quite have the same cross court coverage that she used to, uh, and therefore would be able to win. In saying that, I mean you saw the crowd in her first match in the first round match that helped pull her through, whether that plays a part and gets on the mind of Conteve and her team at all. Stranger things have happened. I would love to see the fairy tale. I think we would all love to see the fairy tale. I think we'll all be watching with a very keen interest this morning and just appreciating as well, I think, you know, regardless of what happens, just watch and appreciate that we are seeing one of the all-time greats across any sport for the last time. And we've been very blessed as a generation, really, that she has risen to prominence and done what she's done during our time, and in a way that we've been able to watch and, and go on that journey with her.
3: Okay, very high praise there from Kimberly Downs. Uh, it's ten thirty. We will take a short break for the news. Uh, James Regan is with us also. We'll come back for part two of the panel very shortly. In the meantime, here is Aloha. Big talk,
5: big opinions. The panel. Talk, talk,
3: Come Downs us with us this morning As is uh, James Regan And uh, James, um, uh, I guess uh, is Your praise is glowing on Serena Williams so I better give you a shot at this
13: Yeah, yeah, absolutely I mean, I completely agree with everything That Ken says I think not just one of the best Athletes of all time But one of the most influential Off the court as well You think of, you know, what Tiger Woods did for golf Serena has done the same For tennis uh, and, and it's just Incredible that we've been able to watch her over the years and, and incredible that she gets to go out at the U.S. Open and, and hopefully as can just get that fairy tale. It'll be a tough ask, um, but it, it would be one of the most remarkable stories of sport, I think, if she got all the way or even close. Um, she's been amazing to watch and, and, as I say, amazing to see what she's done off the court, especially as her career's progressed as well and what she's, what she's done and an inspiring a new generation of tennis fans and tennis players really can't be um, can't be overstated. I don't think she's she's yeah the, the greatest of all time.
3: Yeah, I, actually, you make a good point there in terms of who she's inspired. And uh, you know, if you look at the drive to get more and more um, black Afri- uh, black Americans in, into tennis and and uh, around the world, then certainly she's been an inspiration for that. Much like the first tee has been in the golf program in Tiger Woods being so instrumental in that. Uh, James, can we just change to boxing now because uh, it's been forever since we've seen Joe Parker in the ring. It's going to happen. It's going to be against Joe Joyce, and now we hear it's for an interim WBO heavyweight championship.
13: Yeah, yeah, really um, great news yesterday. it Basically, um, it is a bit of a confusing one, but it, it definitely adds to the um, to, to what the fight offers, I guess. I if Joe Parker wins this, he is right in line for a shot at the WBO world title again and and he really wants more than anything now to, to be two-time champion of the world and it's, it's a bit of a shake-up by the WBO, they haven't seen their belts move around as much as they would have liked, They've been up for grabs as much as they would have liked over the past couple of years um, so for them to come out and say okay, this is for an interim world title now, you get your shot, it, a great. it's a great move for boxing and Hopefully we do get to see that Usyk Fury fight that I think everyone wants to see, but for Joe Parker, it's now all on the line, and this is his chance to to get a more direct route to a world title. So it's great. It's great for boxing. It's great for Joe Parker, hopefully, when he hopefully knocks over Joe Joyce.
3: Let's hope he does. Right, uh, come down, sir. I'm reading you out a text. Uh, There's two things. One, you have to answer the text, and two, you have to guess who it's from. Hi. Can Kim please give a full rundown of Wellington thumping Taranaki, please? And does she think that they should have stayed in the second division where they belong? Thanks. Right, uh, you can answer the text, and, and you can try and surmise who it's from, if you like.
8: <laughs> I, knew what, I knew what was coming as soon as you said, I'm going to read you a text, I think. Uh, look, as far as a rundown uh, of the game between Wellington and Taranaki goes. I must confess, I was actually on a different story that day. I didn't see the game, and I can only surmise uh, that we were absolutely dudded by the rest. So, there you go. Such is life. Uh, as far as who it's from, there are two options. One is my uh, great starring partner from Wellington, Jamie Wall. Yes. Is that a go? Or? or... Ollie Ritchie.
3: No, I, I, I just wanted to hear who your second one your second one was, but no, you're right, Jamie Wall. It was from Jamie <laughs> Wall, that that noted rugby writer and scribe and very accurate in his assessment. Right, question two regarding Taranaki. Is is that great? Is there any possibility come downs that uh, in about ooh fifty five minutes' time we have heard that Ian Foster has managed to squeeze two Barretts, two Barretts. And a Perifetta into his back line for Saturday night. What do you think is going to happen?
8: Is that what you've heard? Is it?
3: No, I'm just surmising um, that that <laughs> could possibly happen. And from Taranaki's point of view, that would be wonderful.
8: What I would love to see if, uh, if Stephen Perifetta is not going to make the 23 uh, on the basis that there is a Bowden Barrett returning uh, and Richie is moved back onto the bench, or vice versa, Richie starts and Bowden is on the bench. I would just like to see one Stephen released release that he could actually get more than 50 seconds of rugby this weekend. That would be a real treat uh, for for those of us following Taranaki's fortunes and probably for him himself. Uh, It will be interesting though, won't it, when the All Blacks team is named this morning, whether they have been tempted into making more changes or not. I've been thinking about this quite a lot uh, in regards mm. to what changes I actually want to see, because I do think there's something to be said for consistency and allowing a team uh, to fight back as well, and I know there have been a few opinions out there in regards to you know, whether Dalton Pobliti, who we haven't seen in so long, comes in, uh, even for, for Sam Kane. I think that's wrong. I think Sam Kane at home uh, will be somewhat of a force to be reckoned with in Hamilton. Certainly, I hope that is the case uh, for his sake. I would very much like to see, assuming that he's fit enough, Brodie Ritalic back in at lock and uh, Scott Barrett returning to that sixth jersey, that would be uh, somewhat heartening. I think to be able to see that experiment continue. But yes, I force th- <laughs> Stephen Perifisher. Honestly, I just I hope, regardless of who he ends up playing for this weekend, I hope he just gets some decent time.
3: Well, as your great friend uh, Beaver would say, an all-black test is an all-black test, and Stephen Perifetta now is an all-black, and certainly he should be in the 23 uh, this weekend, I believe. Anyway, James Regan, what are you expecting in around 53 minutes' time, wholesale or retail? Yeah,
13: I think you're probably barking up the wrong tree if you want wholesale changes. I agree with Kim, it's probably something to be said for consistency but it's not ian foster's style to to make a whole heap of changes either and there's maybe an argument that the depth isn't there to experiment at the moment and what is such a key game and they've had these must-win games and and massive games all year and, and for quite a you know going back to the end of the year tour last year where they can't really afford to flood new players or give them a whole heap of experience because they have to win, which is a bizarre position for the all Blacks to be in. Um, I wouldn't expect wholesale changes. It would be great to see Brodie Retallick back. It would be great to see Piro Feta in the 23, but I think with Bowden Barrett coming back as well, it, it kind of speaks for itself what he's likely to do, and, that, and that's largely the same with a couple of guys coming back in from injuries. So if you're wanting wholesale changes, um, maybe this week isn't a week, given that it is such a huge game. Uh, and it's not often we say that when they come up against the boomers, but that's a credit to them as well, uh, with how far they've come and, and the job they did in Christchurch last week. So it's very interesting. Another week, another very interesting, all that selection, uh, which is great as a fan as well. You, you know, you love to see a bit more interest in the game. So, yeah, watch this space. but I don't think there'll be too many changes.
3: Watch this space. All right. Kimberly Downs and James Regan have been our panellists this morning. I thank them very much for their input. And uh, like uh, them I am looking forward so much to this team naming In uh, around about uh, 50 minutes it is now uh, Incidentally, um, we'll take a short break When we come back, Logan Swinkles has got a team naming Of his own, this time the White Ferns To tour the West Indies
2: The voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith On SCNZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2
3: Right, uh, pacing for purpose. Of course, every week uh, we have uh, a harness racing horse, and uh, we put uh, money on from the TAB, and of course uh, any profits go to our charity, uh, which of course uh, is Women's Refuge. And uh, this week our pacing for purpose uh, horse is at uh, Addington Friday at 8:41 in the evening. It is race seven, number seven, Catherine, unlucky last start, went fifth, had two wins previously can win again here. That's Catherine, race 7, number 7, at Addington tomorrow night, 8.41. And don't forget you can join Mick and Greg every Sunday uh, from 11 o'clock for coverage of all the Harness Racing Action from across New Zealand. That's Sunday at 11 o'clock for Trot's Talk, all thanks to the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing New Zealand. Now, Logan Swinkles, uh, uh, it's a morning for team namings, I understand.
6: Yeah, it sure is. I won't play the breaking news music here because this happened at 10am, at but we've been so packed this morning. The White Ferns have named their squad for the upcoming tour of the West Indies. Uh, they are going to welcome back Pace Bowling duo of Kerr and Molly Penfold, along with top-order batter Lauren Down. Uh, the trio are the only changes to the 15-player squad, which claimed bronze at the recent Commonwealth games, Uh, and, yeah, of course, Coach Ben Sawyer Congratulate all three players on their inclusion of that tour, which comprises of three ODI games in the series and a five-game T20i series. One, uh, before I, I'll read out the names, and then uh, there's one little interesting thing here about it that I um, sort of caught my eye. The team is Sophie Devine, Captain, Susie Bates, Eden Carson, Lauren Down, Izzy Gaze, Maddie Green, Brooke Halliday, Haley Jensen, Fran Jonas, Jess Kerr, Mealy Kerr, Molly Penfold, Georgia Plimmer, Hannah Rowe, and Leah Tahuhu. Now, the thing that I found interesting here in the release, I mentioned Canterbury all rounder Leah Tahuhu has retained her place in the squad after impressing as a replacement for Kerr at the Com Games, which, of course, as we all know, Leah is uncontracted Smithy.
3: Yeah, well, that's an interesting one for me. That was one of the names I was uh, interested in hearing back in the, in the side, uh, and she did it out of merit, and um, so uh, that's good for her. And uh, I think when New Zealand Cricket announced it, they didn't say the door was closed on any of those players, apart from the ones that closed it themselves, i.e. Uh, Amy Satterthwaite. Um, so uh, obviously not back in there. Um, so I'll, I'll have to sit down and absolutely study it. But it, it's nice to see uh, Lauren Down back in the mix. Uh, because she's had um, personal issues that uh, she had to deal with in terms of getting away from the game and refocusing, etc. So that uh, in itself uh, is a, a pretty good selection. Um, and um, the per- persisting, uh, I think, that I hear Fran Jonas's name in there with Eden Carson and Fran Jonas. So uh, the youngsters, um, the new kids on the block, literally, uh, still there in the spin bowling capacity. So uh, interesting tour for them, a challenging tour don't go to the West Indies very often, that I can recall in uh, my living memory, so uh, three one-day internationals, that'll be uh, excellent, and then of course the five T20 internationals as well, so uh, very important on the back of backing up from the bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games, so quite like the quite like the selection, particularly impressed uh, with the fact that Leah who said I'm not giving up, I'm uh, going to hang in there, I'm going to give uh, my very best to make sure that uh, I haven't ended my career on this note and now she is uh, not going to do that. So that's uh, excellent. Uh, a couple of ticks that have uh, come in before we go to the break. Geordie Barrett has never played at centre at international level. Throwing him into centre would be a suicide mission for Foster. He is not a centre, he is a fullback. he needs a year of rugby at centre to even be considered for selection in that position. Uh, Ryan uh, Smithy, what did we see in our back attack last week that gives us any confidence that we can break the Pumas defence? There was no threat from set-piece, no strike attack, and we're just running at bodies. I don't hold a lot of confidence for the AB's ability to suddenly change their attack in seven days. Ryan, you've given it some serious thought, and uh, we appreciate your text as well on that matter. Don't forget, uh, just after 11.30 this morning, we shall have the team for the Test match against Argentina. Can the All Blacks turn it round 10.50 here on You're
5: home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan.
3: Yes, and one of Racing's biggest fans is Louis Herman Watt. And uh, yesterday was synthetic in the North Island. Today it's synthetic uh, track in the South Island at Rickerton Park, Louis. And we were two from
5: two yesterday, Smithy. Uh, uh, kind yeah, of good. rough. Our uh, roughy missed a wee bit, but that's okay. Um, and today, well, I thought I found one. And I have, because punters have absolutely savaged it after we tipped it out at $2. 10 this morning. Let's just have a look at what it's at, at the moment. Ricketon Park, race five, Bell of the Bull, $1.85 now, $2.10 to $1.85. I thought we found one over here, Smithy. And she ran in that, at that lovely Topo meeting where Tiaka unveiled a lot of their spring talent. And she did it the hard way, three wide, four wide, checked in the straight, wobbling about. It took an absolute gun ride from OP Boston on Savito to um, beat her and she opened at $2.10 in a maiden field which is far worse than the one she raced against last week at $2.10, fill your boots I still think $1.80 is over so I wouldn't be surprised if it closes at $1.65 here or $1.70 um, so I think with Joe Cameroon on claiming down to 55 dollars half from barrier 2 on the synthetic up on the pace and should be too quick for them
3: Thursday uh, means uh, the markets are out, the fixed markets can be out very shortly for Saturday what are we lined up?
5: Yeah, Wanganui Guinea's Day. Sof Maze looks very hard to beat there. Uh, down at Ricketon on the Ricketon Turf, they've got a nice race meet with some of the faster ones coming back and starting their preparation towards Cup Week. Uh, over in Australia, there's a plethora of group racing at Randwick with the Chelmsford Stakes. We've got Moonga. What are you meant to make with him after his last start, Miss? Back there, we've got Zaki lining up to start his preparation. In the Tramway, a dollar seventy-five favorite over Profondo at six fifty, and then the golden ticket for the Melbourne Cup, which looks like Mister Brightsides to lose. He's on the route to the Melbourne Cup in the Fiam Stakes, and he is a dollar ninety to win race 4 at the valley you win that race you're in the cup over the mile I think he's winning at a ninety.
3: Louis Herman Watt with us uh, as he is every morning and we go to the TAB now uh, where we speak to Mr Paul There uh, there is greyhounds at Cambridge and Eddington today but there are sporting options to burn with the US Open of course and a bit of league tonight too Paul
14: Yep, yeah, that's right, Smitty, and we've got our tennis bonus back promotion on all the men's and women's singles matches at the US Open, which makes it a wee bit more attractive to back maybe an outsider or someone's paying just a wee bit more than you might think. I think I found one here, Beatrice Haddad-Meyer. Um, she's around a eighty odd to beat Bianca Andrescu, of course uh, Andrescu a former US Open champ but she hasn't really done much since she won the uh, US Open back in 2019 and we've already seen a number of former champs fall by the wayside, uh, Naomi Osaka has gone um, the defending US Open champ Ratakanu is also gone, and uh, I think the reigning Wimbledon champ, Ariba Kina, has been knocked out as well. So uh, the big, big, uh, I guess, women's players are falling by the wayside, and I think Haddad Meyer is a big, big chance against Andrescu later on this afternoon. She's around eighty at the moment. And the big league match tonight, while well, the Melbourne Storm now don't have Jerome Hughes, and there are rumours... Uh, out on the street there, that uh, Cameron Munster may not be turning up either. Been unable to confirm that yet, Um, but the Storm are now out to $2.17 to win that match tonight. The Eels into $1.66. It'd be very, very tough for them to win that if they don't have their number one halves pairing.
3: Paul Moadi there from the TAB, thank you very much for that. We're going to do Stump for Smithy straight after the 11 o'clock news. Stump for Smithy after the 11 o'clock news. More money coming from the TAB there, 50 bucks if you're good enough to do that. Logan Swinkles will be the, um, uh, the quiz master. Brian will be on the phones waiting for your calls now. It's 11 o'clock.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ian
9: Smith's
11: had a good match here.
8: Stumped by Smithy.
9: Ian Smith really is top
11: class at his
9: job.
6: Yeah, once again here on the SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We're switching things around. Doing stuff a little bit early here. Smithy after grabs today is a fifty dollar TAB bonus bet. Joining us first at the crease. I think it's been a while. Jeff from Cronwell, come in mate. How you going, buddy? Yeah, good. How yeah, you doing? Good. Yeah,
9: well it's gonna be my prediction is uh, the all blacks can keep the discipline and uh, avoid those cards. Uh, then we're going to have a win, but Smithy, I've got a, I've got your name on a yellow card here, so you're going to
3: have an early shower today, buddy. <laughs> oh, good on you, Jeff. That's very cool. That's very very cool. You know, um, they've got a thing up there in Auckland called a dump button. Your name's on that if you're not careful, right, <laughs> Jeff? Let's let's get into it. Uh, what are the subjects today? Oh, I love this competition. Oh, the... uh, you know. What? Yeah, right, Jeff. Right, what are we, what, what, what are we, uh what, what subjects are you going to gift, Jeff, today? I
6: don't know about gifting, but man, the sledging is hot this morning. All right, here we go. Today's topics for you both, for you to pick here, though, Jeff, of course, rugby, golf, and cricket. All, I'm just going to say this, all that Smithy very passionate about.
9: It's, yeah, it's my though. So that's, uh, that sort of that out. Uh, yeah, well, I think we'll
6: go golf. All right. Good luck to okay, you both, gentlemen. Golf. Very hot topic at the moment. Golf. It is. <clears throat> First question: Rory McElroy won the tour championship, finishing twenty-one under par. How many strokes did he beat Sung Sung J M Im and Scottish Scheffler by at East Lake?
9: Uh, let me see that. it was
11: 21, so that one, uh, one shot. That's a couple of chips down we wicket, right in the slot,
6: and away it goes. Uh, it's good to know your short form maths, there, is a uh, sharp Jeff Smithy, You would have had that one, no doubt.
3: Well, being a referee he knows everything. So what chances I got? So
6: move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Be
9: nice, to Take out.
6: Where on the tour, tour championship leaderboard did Aussie golfer Cameron Smith finish?
9: That's right. You were sitting i I'm going to go three. One
4: of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: Come on, on,
6: Smithy. This is your redemption.
3: About twelfth or thirteenth. I'll take twelfth. One of the worst things oh. I have ever seen done on
4: a
10: cricket field.
6: Oh, lovely. Yeah, it wasn't a great one for uh, Cameron Smith. He finished nine under par. He finished 20th. Oh, oh, okay, okay,
9: okay.
6: Okay, go? okay. Oh,
3: okay,
9: we're well, human after all, <coughs> he's,
3: he's, <laughs> a he's a rebel. He's <laughs> a rebel. He's gone. He's gone. He's a rebel.
6: Human, but there, there's magic in that mullet still. Last question: fifty dollar tab bet on the line here for you, Jeff. Lydia Co. finished just two shots behind winner Paula Rito at the Canadian Pacific Open uh, on the weekend. How many birdies did she make on her final round? Final round. Oh shit. What
9: happened? I was hitting holes. Uh, I'm going to go to my lucky number seven. One of the worst things
14: I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: Over to you, Smithy. Right. It's either eight or nine. It was a phenomenal round of golf, Um, and the back nine in particular. I'm going to say she shot nine birdies.
6: Nine birdies. One of the worst things
13: I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
6: Plus one is ten. 10 birdies, oh, 10 birdies on the round. 10. Shot 63. Oh, Incredible from Lydia Coe there. So what that does Go mean. Have that
9: shower, Go yeah. have that yeah. Now,
6: yeah. buddy. Yeah. Hold the yellow up. Hold <laughs> the yep. yellow up nice and high, Jeff, yep. and I'm off. I'm gone yep. toast. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
3: Finished. I'll never, get, I'll right never give, out, give you a
9: red, mate, but I'll give you a yellow, bud.
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. Well, what we're going to do reluctantly is give you 50 bucks, so stay on the line. And Brian Brian uh, will take uh, your details. If we haven't already got them, that is. Or uh, put them in the that's bin. Two um, up, sorry, will, uh, two's up, up. Yep, yeah. Okay.
9: On Hawks Bay.
3: the mighty the and throwing
9: gold. What's that? Uh, I haven't I, seen that bottle of wine yet.
3: Alright, uh, well, hold the phone. Hold the phone. We gonna
9: double, uh, well, we're going to double We're going to double it quick. We're
3: to double it We're going to drink it together, don't we, or not? Yeah. Oh,
9: yeah. You're reading up too me.
3: <laughs> no, that, no, that's a yeah. that's condition, Jeff, so. Uh, We'll do that, don't worry, we will make that happen, it's uh, 11.08, have a great day mate, and and congratulations to you by the way, Uh, 11.08 here on SENZ, Uh, we'll have another Stump Smithy tomorrow morning, can't tell you what time because we're being so flexible at the moment, likely to be around about 11.30 though, we'll be back very very shortly with the legend that is Ricardo, the Rick Dog Ball. Right, it's 11.14 uh, and the Wellington Phoenix have seen their quest for Australia Cup glory come to an end after a 2-0 defeat to MacArthur Football Club last night but now the club's attention can shift towards the approaching A-League season with their squad now finalised, it's time to get down to business. Also been a very busy morning in the English Premier League so let's bring in our resident Manchester United tragic, I didn't write these notes for Ricardo by the way, uh, and football pundit uh Ricardo Ball and uh, Ricardo I'll bring you in by just uh, going through the score lines this morning. Uh Arsenal Aston Villa so Arsenal 2 Aston Villa 1, Bournemouth and Wills uh, in a little draw, Manchester City bombing Nottingham Forest 6-0, uh West Ham and Tottenham uh, London affair there 1-1 and Liverpool in the end uh, scoring in the 80 and sorry in the 98th minute, 98th minute uh to beat uh, Newcastle 2-1 and there were some pretty Ugly scenes on the touchline there, Ricardo. Good morning to you. What did you make of that uh, result this morning? Uh, Liverpool 2, Newcastle 1.
15: Yeah, I think uh, Newcastle, they're rightly gutted not to get anything out of that game, Smithy, to be honest. I mean, they uh, Liverpool really look out of sorts at the moment. They're, they're not playing the way we think they normally can. Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's you know obviously uh, the right back, who gets forward a lot, um, He's really been caught out a lot this season. It, it happened against United. It happened against Fulham. Uh, happened again here today. Um, so he's not having a great time. And I think there's just a bit of a disconnect. Plus, they're down on numbers in midfield. And their midfield is a bit ineffectual at the moment. So, you know, Newcastle, they took the lead in this game. They could have been 2-0 up. There was a marginal offside given on that goal, which would have put them 2-0 up. And then, of course, to make matters worse, when the board went up, Smithy at 90 minutes, it said five minutes of injury time, and they got to eight minutes somehow. Uh, And then basically, as soon as Liverpool scored, the ref blew the final whistle. So you know that there's something not quite adding up. But even Michael Owen, who's a a, a Liverpool legend, who was a pundit on the game today, says, I have no idea where he got that extra three minutes from. Um, So you can see why... Newcastle were annoyed. Uh, they were talking, obviously, to the fourth official. The Liverpool bench was celebrating. That caused some issues. wasn't quite Tuchel versus Conte issues, but there, there certainly had to be some stewards involved and people separated. It, it, it wasn't pretty, and you can totally understand why Newcastle were, were annoyed. It felt like that game should have been over, and they should have managed to get a point for Anfield. So, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot still to come this season, and uh, Liverpool... Jürgen Klopp, a lot of work to do there um, because things aren't tracking particularly well there just at the moment.
3: Meanwhile, at uh, the top of the table, uh, Ricardo Manchester City dealing out a reality check for Nottingham Forest 6-0 and Arsenal prevailing over Aston Villa 2-1. So the top of the table remains the same.
15: Yeah, uh, and and Manchester City, man, Erling Haaland, what a signing. He scored a hat-trick by the 38th minute. He's now scored two hat-tricks in the Premier League already. Uh, the fastest to that, he's he's taken five games in the Premier League to score two hat-tricks. Uh, the previous fastest to score two hat-tricks in the Premier League was 21 games. So he's absolutely smashed that record. And, uh, you know, they took him off after an hour. Um, so they really, they, you know, they played the mercy card a wee bit. Um, they, they took Haaland off and played a couple of kids um, for the last half hour, which was, Frightening, I think, for the rest of the league, Haaland looks undefendable. He's six foot five, Smithy. He can hit the ball with either foot. He's great in the air. He's physical. He's fast. And uh with the way that Man City, their players, you know, that move the ball around so well, guys like Foden and De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva, they just create space all the time. So he's going to be very difficult to defend. And interesting. Uh, again, you know, listening to Michael Owen uh, speak this morning, he said that you know, the, the current record for the most goals in a Premier League season is 32. He said he's on track to smash that. And and it's really only injuries that's going to stop him from doing it if he gets any. Um, you know, he was saying 40, 40 is on the cards the way he's going at the moment. So, yeah, interesting to see how that develops, particularly when you consider we've got this World Cup break and Norway aren't going to the World Cup. So Haaland's going to be plenty fresh when the Premier League resumes.
3: Absolutely. Plenty of beach time for him in that break, I would imagine, with that massive frame that he's got. Uh, and the Gunners, the Gunners prevailing over mm. over Villa.
15: Yeah, and, uh, you know, a good win for Arsenal. They've now won five from five. They are top of the league, clear by two points over Manchester City. Going really, really well for them. Uh, they haven't had a decent, decent test just yet. Uh, but the thing, for, if you're an Arsenal fan, you're looking at games like Villa and looking at games like Crystal Palace away they had first. up. Those are games that they weren't getting three points from last season. So I think the signs are there. Uh, that things are greatly on the improve they do have some issues in midfield mohammed al nini has been uh, ruled out for some period of time the egyptian midfielder uh, thomas Partey. they're saying it's an injury although he does have some uh, off-field issues to deal with involving the police as well so that might come into it Uh, so they, they are looking for the transfer window about what 24 hours to go to maybe bring somebody else into the midfield that could be a hiccup down the track, uh, a lack of bodies in the middle. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But at the moment, if you're Arsenal, you're very, very happy indeed. But Gabriel Jesus grabbing another goal today, and on the flip side of that, Smither, you've got to start worrying about Stephen Gerrard and uh, you know his tenure at Aston Villa. He's been backed by the owner. He's spent a lot of money in his time there. Brought into players, this is his team now, and they have won one and lost four of their first five games this season. So the pressure really is on him. And oh, you know, when the pressure's on you, Smithy, the one thing you want is Manchester City in your next game.
3: Exactly, uh, exactly right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you really do, don't you? Hey, uh, Spurs uh, just finally, um, Bournemouth Wolves 0 0, um, and uh, West Ham grabbing a second half equaliser uh, against Tottenham.
15: Yeah, I mean, the West Ham-Spurs rivalry is, is, is well documented. Those two two teams have no love for each other whatsoever. So you can kind of throw form out the window a little bit going into this. And, I mean, West Ham, they didn't start the season well. They did pick up a win last time out against Villa, but they weren't great in that game. Uh, but they found a way to get a point against Tottenham. They really outfought Spurs in this game, I thought. Uh, David Moyes has got them playing uh, a very concise sort of type of football. They're hard to break down. Uh, they're still not creating probably as much as they would like to. And, and you know, given the players they've got, that's a bit of a head-scratcher. Um, they've got Scamica, the, the new Italian striker, who's a who's a big guy as well um, up front, who's giving them another option from Antonio. So we'll have to see. But I think it's just, it's just taking West Ham a little more time to gel with the new signings than they would have liked. But the signs are good. You get a one-all draw with Spurs, considering the way Spurs have been playing. I think that's a positive result for West Ham, and they'll, they'll take that, they'll bank that, and they'll look to move on.
3: Uh, Tom's just texted in uh, Ricardo and said, Liverpool, extra time, uh, three minutes were due to the Newcastle goalie injury and extra time milking it. So I did see him go down, um, but uh, we'll just see if there, there won't be any developments, so, because I, I guess it's uh, referee, referee is the sole judge of time when it comes to that, I would imagine. Right, let's look, look at uh, your mob, because... Uh, you are, uh, have got an isolated game tomorrow morning against uh, Leicester City, and uh, you're, you know, these are the games that Man U sides normally win, but what about it?
15: Well, I think there's every chance that United get a win here, um, and I don't say that because United have been travelling so well. I mean, the, the last time out, got that win against Southampton, uh, 1-0, probably could have been more, but wasn't, um, and that'll be a worry. No Anthony Martial tomorrow either. He's still injured. Um, And Cristiano Ronaldo still question marks over whether he's going to still be at the club. So there's a bit to do there. But I think, you know, if you look at the opposition, Leicester City, currently bottom of the Premier League, Leicester City, they've got uh, Wesley Fafana, has agitated for a move. Uh, He's got his move to Chelsea. So he's their best defender. Yuri Tillemans hasn't been playing. He's one of their best midfielders. Uh, He's been waiting for a... Moved potentially to Arsenal, so he hasn't been playing. James Madison, who's their, you know, playmaker and uh, set piece specialist, he's carrying a hamstring injury. Vardy's another year older, and things just look a bit disjointed. There's something going on at Leicester behind the scenes, I think, um, and I'm not sure if it's the, uh, um, you know, the son of the uh, original owner who, who passed away in a helicopter crash. Looking to move the club on, maybe, because they've spent no money. Um, And Brennan Rodgers has been told that the $70 they got for Fafana, he will only have a third of that to spend on reinforcements. So what's happening at Leicester? I'm not sure. Something is going on behind the scenes. Rodgers isn't happy. And the team aren't playing like we know Leicester can play. So I think United get a win here. But I think that's more about where Leicester are at than where United are at, to be fair.
3: OK, well, the uh, transfer window is uh, not far away from closing this time around. Um, and Eric Tenhag, uh, Man U's boss, has uh, completed the signing of uh, Ajax winger Anthony for $155 million, um, and plus uh, $8.2 million in, in add-ons. Uh, and also uh, he's uh, added to his goalkeeping stocks as well.
15: Yeah, Martin Dubravka, uh, which is an interesting one. He's um, been at Newcastle. He was number one at Newcastle. Um, for, for quite some time, but is now the number two there. And United, really, they, they shipped Dean Henderson out on loan to Forrest because Dean Henderson, uh, who's been part of the United set-up for some time, wasn't happy. Last season, beginning of last season, he was told by uh, Solskjaer that he would start the season as the number one keeper because De Gea had had a poor season the season before. Then, before the season started, Henderson got covid so he couldn't start the season. De Gea did and started on fire, and then he couldn't get back on the team. So Henderson sort of fired a few broadsides and said that he was lied to and promises weren't kept. So I think United were keen to, uh, they I think, saw him as a bit disruptive. So they shipped him out to Forest on loan. But it's left them skinny in the goalkeeping department. Uh, Tom Heaton, the former Burnley keeper at 35, is the only other keeper they had. So they needed someone to put the pressure on De Gea. Uh, to keep his performances up and also be a potential um, option between the sticks due to injuries or just rotation as well Nebravska I, I think it 's a smart move it 's not costing them anything really it 's uh, a loan move initially, and if it works out and there's certain targets are met for United, then they uh, have to pay five million for him next season so uh, he 's an international as well uh, plays for Czech Republic, I believe. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he challenges De Gea because the thing that Ten Hag really wants to do is have a, a goalkeeper who's really good with his feet, much like, say, Edison at City, so they can play out from the back more. De Gea has proven to be a little bit of a liability when under pressure with the ball at his feet. I don't know. De Bravka doesn't scream to me a great keeper with the ball at his feet, to be honest. maybe Maybe I just haven't seen enough of it, but... It's an interesting move. I think uh, it's solid, it's safe, and it doesn't cost a lot. Um, whether or not it's a solution, I think, remains to be seen.
3: Just quickly on the the, the weekend's action uh, coming up, I want to get onto the Phoenix as well in a moment. Um, so Man U Arsenal, that's a, a key one. So you've got, uh, what, uh, two games in the space of about four days. Um, and uh, I think it's probably the most influential game of the weekend, as I... I look at it as the standout. Brighton going pretty well. Uh, they're up against Leicester, and Brighton currently fourth.
15: Yeah, Brighton are doing really well. I mean, they lost their last game to Fulham, but, I mean, those two goals they conceded to Fulham were the first two goals they've conceded this season. So defensively really solid. Uh, they've got a bit more going forward. Pascal Gross, the German midfielder, they've pushed him forward. He's playing as part of a front two now, um, sort of in the ten role. Seems to be working for them and going pretty well. So, yeah. Uh, Graham Potter doing very good things there. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations that now Graham Potter, I think, is, if any of the big six clubs pull the trigger on a manager, he's probably the next one in line now. I think he's got to that point uh, in his career. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I'd also say, Smithy, there's a couple other games I'm, I'm interested to see. Chelsea, they are, are they combusting at the moment? Thomas Tuchel's not happy. They're a home to West Ham, so it's another London derby, and it's a West Ham team that are on the improve. So that could be, I, I think that could be an interesting game to watch. And, of course, the Merseyside derby is always interesting to watch. Liverpool, as I mentioned, not playing particularly well. Neither are Everton. But, uh, as I say, big dark games like this, form goes out the window, and uh, that could be a firecracker.
3: Last night, the Phoenix beaten by MacArthur, uh, 2-0, uh, which seems, sees them uh, eliminated from the Australia Cup. But I, I guess... That gives them um the chance now that uh their one major focus comes into play and that's the league which isn't far away.
15: Yeah, well exactly. You know, we're not too far away from that. I think that's October, so not long uh pretty much after those all white Socceroos games, we'll see the A League get underway and yeah, I think it's been a decent run uh for the Phoenix. They've they've had a tough run. They've had a tough draw. They've had lots of A League teams in their draw. I mean it's last night for MacArthur, uh the Phoenix was the first A League team they've played at the quarter final stage, so that's interesting. And I mean, MacArthur, they won 2-0, didn't have it all their own way. The Phoenix hit the post twice. They certainly, uh, the Phoenix were the better team for most of the first half. Uh, but uh, MacArthur, they've got some very good individuals. Uh, D- Daniel De Silva, who's a, been a roo; Ulysses De of course, former Phoenix player as well. Daniel Arzani and Craig Noon. So they've got a lot of guys who are great on the ball. They didn't look good without the ball, MacArthur, last night. They looked susceptible. Um... But when they did have the ball, they looked dangerous. So under Dwight York, I think they'll be an entertaining team to watch. I think there'll be goals at both ends in their games. And, yeah, for the Phoenix, they can can crack on now and concentrate on building up towards the league season. Just a note, Smitty, Ben Wayne has been travelling very, very well for the Phoenix in pre-season. He had a good end of last season as well. It's just come out that um, the, the club turned down a bid for him from an English championship side. I've heard it's Millwall. Um, So we'll see, with 24 hours left to go in the transfer window, whether Mill will come back with another bid for Ben Wayne. Um, If he goes, it'll mean the club have made some money, but it'll also leave a bit of a hole in the ranks there and uh, an opportunity for another Kiwi potentially.
3: Okay, Uh, Ricardo Ball, uh, as always, thank you very much. Um, Rest uh, easy. I think you've got a big uh, next uh, 10 days or go coming up here on SEN. So um look I, I look forward to that mate and i look forward to the football action over the weekend uh, cheers ricardo thank you
15: cheers smithy and Trevor Weld to aussie mate i've got big shoes
3: to fill yep you have oh, well not really not really um i'm uh, well, i'm in a nine and a half mate you're much bigger, much bigger man than me uh 11, it's eleven twenty nine. it's eleven twenty nine here on SCNZ. uh team naming very shortly I noticed that um, on stuff they've said uh, Ian Foster has spoken to, he will be speaking shortly. Um, then there's a press conference at midday. Aaron Smith, Richie Moanga, uh, Artie Savi are involved in that. So I think, and Shannon Frazel, I can imagine that um, those four names will be in the team then. It's, a, it's a pretty simple as that. We'll hear that very shortly. Uh, we'll take a break for the news with Araha. Uh, when we come back, we're also going to give you a, a greyhound for pick for the weekend, uh, and also we're going to have uh, Jim K's with his comments on the team that uh, hopefully Logan Swinkles will be unable to will be able to announce to you after this news bulletin. <laughs> Well, uh, 11.32, uh, you've got it, you name it. Uh, Logan Swinkles, what
6: is the test team to play Argentina this Saturday night in Hamilton? The Match Day 23 reads as follows. Smithy, Ethan De Groot, Samasone Takeoho, Tyrell Lomax, that is your front row, Sam Whitelock, Scott Barrett, your locks, Shannon Frizell, Sam Kane, captain at seven, Artie at eight, Aaron Smith, halfback, Richie Mowanga again starting at 10, Caleb Clark there on the left wing, David Harvely and Rico Yuani are your centres, Will Jordan on the right wing, Geordie Barrett starting at fullback again, and then on your bench, Dan Coles, George Bauer, Fletcher Newell, Brodie Retallick, Dalton Papali'i, Finlay Christie, Bowden Barrett and Quinn Tupaya. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked at that.
3: Uh, absolutely. I don't see a change to the starting 15. I could be um, uh, getting a bit senile, but I don't see any there. And the bench has got Dane Coles for Cody Taylor. Brody Ritalik comes in for Tupu Vai And Stephen Perrafitis, 50 seconds, clearly weren't good enough. Uh, I've got to digest that. In the meantime, shall we have a Greyhound? Shall we have a Greyhound? Play the jingle for that. I'm, I'm a bit shocked.
2: It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run.
3: Right, so oh yes, uh, greyhound racing uh, charity run and that of course is uh, once a week we give a, a greyhound um, and uh, we put it towards women's Refuge. any proceeds that we get from uh, the bet off that greyhound and uh, we're doing pretty well, I've got to say, probably doing better than the greyhound than we are in the trotting. Uh, and don't forget uh, you can tune in uh, every uh, Sunday from midday onwards for Dog Speed, courtesy of Greyhound Racing New Zealand hosted by two legendary Greyhound experts, and Mark Rosinowski and Dan Robert, Dan Roberts. So don't miss a beat with uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand's dog speed. And our Greyhound, uh, Greyhound for this weekend is uh, at Addington. In fact, it's this afternoon at 6 minutes to 6, otherwise known as 5.52. It is Race 5, number 1, six-pack nugget. I couldn't eat one now. I couldn't eat one now. I'm disappointed. Uh, race 5, number 1, six-pack nugget. Uh, that team has left me a bit baffled. Is that a missed opportunity? Jim Caze will tell us next. Right, uh, it's 11.40 here on SENZ. I'll just quickly go through that team again. De uh, Tokiaho and Lomax, are uh, the front row. Whitelock, Scott Barrett, the, the locks, Frizzell, Kane, captain of, of course, uh, Savia at uh, the other loose forwards, uh, Aaron Smith, and Moonga, Clark, Havili, Ioane, Rico Ioani, Will Jordan, Geordie Barrett. No change from the starting 15 from last week that I can see. Uh, and off the bench will come Dane Coles, George Bauer, uh, Fletcher Newell, Brodie Retallick back in the squad, Dalton Papali'i. Uh, Finlay Christie, Bowden Barrett and Quintipaya will be the uh, utility back reserve as well. So that is it. Uh, We got a text this morning at 10 to 10 from Daz in Newcastle he said good morning Smithy we have all thought big changes were going to be made in the past and nothing major was done what makes us think this time it will be any different? There's you have a crystal ball, my friend. Thanks for listening from that far away. Jim Case joins us, of course. Uh, he's the producer of Breakdown, but a very noted uh, rugby uh, analyst and journalist in his own right. Jim, uh, are you surprised?
16: Smithy, I guess I'm not. I'm sort of sitting here thinking, what changes would, ha- would I have made to that, to that starting 15? I mean, I guess you could have brought Bray Ritalik straight in the lock. But I actually like the front row. Uh, I don't think, I I never really thought they were going to change uh, Oversight Flanker. Um, So I guess the changes to the bench are are the ones that I applaud, you know, bringing Dalton, Papa Lee, Barrett back, um, Colsey. I like having Colsey on the bench. And there's one other that I can't think of off the top of my head, but there there are four changes to the bench. Um, I would say it is an absolute travesty what has happened to Stephen Pereffeta. He got 50, sec- 50 seconds off the bench in a losing average performance in an average Test match in Christchurch and may never play for the all Blacks again because will he get a game in the in the Berzo Cup? It's hard to see that happening and then probably Damien McKenzie will come back for the end of year tour. So, you know, I'd like to be wrong. I think the guy deserves more than that horrible 50 seconds that he got, but Pretty
3: appalling, really, the way that he's been treated there. I totally agree. Uh, um, um, I just can't help but thinking, um, Jim, that this is a missed opportunity, and uh, they're running out those opportunities to, to discover <coughs> things. Uh, yep. I mean, how set in his, how set in his ways, how set in concrete is Ian Foster? Well,
16: by the look of the last couple of weeks, very set, isn't he? Um, you know, but again, I mean. I just don't think they have too many options. We've got a very average midfield. We've still got um, a fullback playing second five and and a wing playing centre. And, you know, even when he played exceptionally well against South Africa and in in South Africa, I'm talking Rico Ioani here, you know, as Jeff Wilson said to me, he still played like a winger at centre. Rico Ioani is a world-class wing and he's a pretty good centre. Um, you know, maybe maybe they could have switched Jordy to the other wing and, and put Will Jordan at fullback because, you know, Will Jordan, he seems to be a bit wasted on the wing, doesn't get much ball in, until right at the end when they seem to throw it to him and say, here you go, rescue us. Um, I, I think that they're yes, they're running out, out of opportunities, I completely agree with that but I think they equally sort of painted themselves into a bit of a corner where you know, where else do they go? I just yeah, I don't know. I, I I do like that front row. It's a young, very good scrubber gene, very energetic front row. Again, Smithy Tokihiro, Samisoni Tokihiro, alongside um, Adi Savio would be the best fullback on the on the field. They took him off after forty four minutes. It just seemed madness to me. I was incredulous when they took him off. Why would you take him off? It's like taking off a fast bowler who's just taken three wickets. Oh, we'll give you a spell mm. now, chap. <laughs> I don't yeah. get it. I don't understand well, I, I don't
3: understand that at all. No, there was totally no logic in that. When you consider that half-time these days, uh, Jim, is 15 minutes, they've been sitting there and yeah. calling their, you know, regaining their lungs yes. and things for 15 minutes, and four minutes later, um, you know, they're gone. Um, when they had uh, an area... Look, was it not that long ago, Jim, not that long ago that we were really concerned about our front row? All of a sudden, we seem to have found one. We don't want to use it. Yep.
16: I know. It's madness. And, and look, if they'd replaced them at half time, I'd actually have more respect for that decision because they're saying, OK, you've given us 40, let's go with another lot for 40 minutes. But to change it four minutes into the second half just seemed, I don't know, senseless and silly to me. Uh, and you're dead right. We were we were sort of fossicking around for a front row. Uh, but now, in the likes of De Groot, I really like George Bauer. Um, Samisoni, obviously, uh, there, there's some you know there's some good props coming through, and I think we're okay there. We I think the All Blacks still need a bit of depth at lock, um, and it's a, it's a bit of a pity that Josh Lord got injured. Uh, and, and I still would have liked. What are they going to do? How long does Dalton Papali get? Do they do they again take their skipper off after 50 odd minutes? That'll be interesting as well. And, you know, actually, Smithy, if there's one guy who's missing from this all black set-up, it's Brad Weber. Brad Weber seems to bring something different to a game, and, and he, I would have, have like to have seen him in that squad. And I just think that Aaron Smith, who has been a magnificent halfback, has become a bit one-dimensional. He just passes and passes and passes, and he actually reminds me of the great George Gregan, and he deserves to sit alongside George Gregan but George Gregan towards the end of his career really just became a halfback who passed and we need a halfback that does more than that.
3: Well, half-back that passes and box-kicks, I can promise you that as well, Jim. But, uh,
5: yeah, and you're right, yeah, because it's
3: absolutely, it's absolutely no threat around the fringes, and what we need to do against this Argentinian loose forward trio is commit them around the fringes, because they yes. you try and hit them out wide, they're waiting for you. How, now, this is the other thing that gets me, right? Joe Smith's come in to formulate the attack plan. He's only been there uh, a very brief piece, uh, moment of time, really, to be honest. But there yep. are no changes to our pivots there. There are no changes to our our playmakers, um, aside from the fact that Bowden Barrett is on the bench. So where, where, how do we break them down? Are, are they going to be any smaller or any less committed in defence, Argentina?
16: <laughs> no, and look, they've made a remarkable 95% of their tackles. I think they missed seven and 80 minutes of rugby. But I also think the All Blacks made it extremely easy for them, as you're alluding to, particularly in that second half when all the All Blacks really did was one-off runners. I mean, you can coach a first of to defend against one-off runners. So you're right, they need to do something different. There needs to be more invention. There needs to be better use of the full field uh, rather than just in and around the fringes. Maybe better use of old-fashioned grubber kicks through to get in behind. Somehow they have to turn the Argentinians around because there's not a team anywhere in the world that enjoys turning and going back. No team does you've got to you've got to get them turning around you've got to get them in two minds um you've got to have a variation in the attack they had enough ball they had 63 percent of the ball so they certainly had enough ball to do more with it than they did but they were extremely predictable extremely one-dimensional and as you say if they do that again in Hamilton well the RGs will be up for that challenge again but you know t- making that number of tackles is wonderful but when you look at the attack that you're up against it, it kind of explained it a little bit. It puts
3: it into a bit of context that actually a lot of them were just one on one tackles. But, you know, yeah. So, so, Jim, okay, you've talked about T, uh, Stephen Perifetta, and, and that, is, that will be one of the most unanswered questions in the history of bar talk as, as to what they were doing there. But here's the <laughs> other thing hey, hey, um, Roger Tuavasa Shek, what, what ground have they made with Roger Tuavasa Shek? Um, players like Tupu Vay, you know, um, where's the encouragement for, for for these kind of players, Filal Focatava, what did he do wrong to be totally eliminated uh, from w- what mm. appears to be totally eliminated from proceedings? What, what is yes. what is the thinking here? Where's the lack of faith? Because they have had no um, time and performance to justify a lack of faith.
16: And, and y- y- yes, I agree. Roger 2 I'd go back a step as well and say, what did he do in Super Rugby that convinced that he was an All Black? Because he hadn't really produced anything in Super Rugby that said he was going to be an All Black. Okay, so that's point one. They did pick him, fair enough, they picked him. But they've given him no opportunity to then back up that selection. And really, he's not even getting game time in NPC to, uh, to further his education in rugby. Because we've got to remember, this is his first year in rugby. So it was a questionable decision to pick him in the first place. Uh, and and now they've done, as you say, nothing really to advance these people. They, So many of these guys should be playing every week in NPC rugby, and then at least they've got some form where, yes, they could present a challenge to the start at 15 or to the, the, the run on the plane 23. But they haven't been given those opportunities, have they, as you say? Um Valle is a good example of that. The man's a, a wrecking machine, but when are we going to get him... When are we going to see him do that? And and, and we're not. So, yeah, I think there's there's logic that's hard to find in a lot of the decisions that are being made in and around the All Blacks selections. And good coaches will tell you that 70% of coaching is selection.
3: Yeah. Well, Jim, I think you probably well summed it up there in that last statement. Um, I thank you very much for coming on so quickly after the announcement. I share your sentiments, and I can promise you right here and now, sitting and looking at our text text board, um, everyone does. Basically, everyone shares your sentiments. It's baffling. That uh, they haven't tried to invent something out of what they had last week, which is nothing. In fact, if you look at the side very quickly, you'd say, "I'm sorry, this is not this week's side. I'm still looking at last week's side." That's how it would appears to <laughs> me. Would, uh, hey, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, thanks very much, mate. Great work, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Lovely to chat. No
16: worries, bud. Bye bye.
3: Yes, uh, Jim Kay's there uh, out of Sky Sport of course uh, he's the talent uh, manager so he looks after the commentators etc he uh, produces uh, of course uh, the breakdown show and uh, that is the most up to date show you'll get on rugby I bet he wishes he had one tonight um, because there'd be some uh, interesting comment on that uh, and then of course um, uh, his, uh, his history and writing about rugby is, of course is uh, very well known. It's 11.51 I wonder what Mark Stafford makes of all of this we shall find out very shortly